concerning the um, judgment seat of Christ. And as we've been studying concerning eschatology, I kind of skipped over it. I just missed it. And it's a very important uh, event uh, that takes place. And uh, I, I wanted, so I'm going back to pick it up. We've, we've long passed where it falls in the in, into the, uh, the calendar of events, but um, I, I want to go back and pick it up. I didn't mean to, to pass it up. We just everything kind of carried on, and I, I just never went back to pick it up. The judgment seat of Christ is an event that takes place after the rapture of the saints. While the tribulation period is going on on the earth, the judgment seat of Christ takes place in heaven before Him for His people. And it's, it's when we are raptured up to meet Him in the air, we receive our glorified bodies, we are then he, he has that judgment seat that from that place we receive our rewards. The judgment seat has nothing to do with judging our sin. But it has everything to do with judging our rewards based upon the works that we have performed for Him on the earth. And that's what 1 Corinthians 3, Paul spells that out pretty plainly for us concerning our works, the motives for our works that we do for our Lord. And we see examples of it given to us uh, in in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, here in the book of Romans. And again, Paul, uh, or John rather, describes a little bit of the scene of it in the Revelation we'll look at in, in just a moment. But notice here in, in Romans chapter 14, again, this happens following the rapture of the saints. While those, there's a seven-year tribulation going on here on the earth, that great tribulation that will take place, while that's going on here, there's going to be a celebration in heaven. But it will begin with this judgment seat of Christ. And there's parts of it that are not going to be very celebratory because things that we're going to bring before him, things that we're going to offer uh, of our works that we've done for the Lord will be burnt up. They won't, they, that we had the wrong motive in doing it. Uh, we, we were concerned too much with self in the process, of whatever the case may be. And those, those things, as Paul will call it here in our text, the wood, hay, and stubble, that's going to be burnt up. But what is left will be the rewards that we receive. And John accounts to that in the Revelation there in chapter 4 and 5 as he is describing those rewards, those crowns that are given us uh, in glory. And then begins then begins that, that uh, celebration uh, time. And so in the burning up of our works, there's going to be a little bit of sorrow. There's going to be some sadness there. In fact, when the scripture tells us that he shall wipe away all their tears, that's, that's part of those tears there to see the things that, that, that we thought were something for the Lord, to see those things go up in flames and realize, you know, I, didn't, I did that all wrong. I had the wrong attitude. I had the wrong heart. I had the wrong motive in regards to that. And so this, this is part of what the judgment seat of Christ meets out. Again, it's not for the purpose of punishment, but it is for the purpose of reward. But we're not going to be rewarded, maybe, as much as we think we ought to. <laughs> it's kind of, kind, of what's, kind of how it meets out there. 
uh, given the, the, what the scripture describes. Notice verse 10 though, Romans 14, verse 10. Paul says, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. For I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So Paul tells us here we're not to be judging one another because we are the Lord's servants. And so we're not to, we're not to look at one another to try to figure out one another's motives behind the things that we do or the works that we perform for the Lord. We're not, we're not to look and see, well, I, they're just doing that for themselves. They're just doing that for their own glory. That's, that's not what we're supposed to do, or we'll find that we're going to have some works burned up. <laughs> what we rather to do are to glory in our Lord for whatever is done by our brethren in the works that they're leaving, leaving that judgment to the Lord because we are not servants of each other, in a sense. I mean, yes, we are to serve one another, but we are not each other's servants. We are the servants of the Lord. And He is the one that will judge His servants. And so we're not to judge one another, but rather let the Lord judge. Now, again, that goes to our motives. That goes to our motives. When we see sin in our brother's life, when we see them doing wickedness, when we see them out away from the Lord, that's not judgment for us to say, hey, that, hey you're, you're, you're not where you need to be. Hey, you're, you've got sin in your life. You need to repent of that and you need to come, come out of that. That's, that's not judgment. That's not us judging them there. That's us telling them the truth that what God has declared about their sin, what God has declared to be sin, doesn't need to be in their life. Now, where it becomes judgment is when we, when, when we take that, that sin that is in their lives and we turn around and uh, berate them with it. When we turn around and, and uh, um, use it to our advantage to try to destroy them because of the sin that's in their lives. When we do, when we bring it before them in an unloving manner, then it becomes the judging that we're not to do. But to call it for what it is, for what God has declared, we are to call it. If it's sin, we're to call it sin, and we're to do it lovingly when we call it sin. You see. And so it's all about our love for our brethren, our love for our Lord, that that is displayed. This, this judgment is that he's talking about here in chapter 14 is us trying to judge one another's motives in what we are doing. Trying to judge one another's, uh, one another's intent in what we are doing. That's not what we are to do. And so Paul says that, that we are not to judge one another because we are the, we are the Lord's servants. And we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The Lord's going to take care of that, Paul's saying. So let's let him do that. Let's let him make those kind of judgments. Now, go over to 1 Corinthians 3. 
1 Corinthians 3. And Paul, Paul describes here and gives for us a little bit of understanding about how this is going to happen, particularly in verse 11. But I want you to start in verse number 1 with me as we look at, at Paul's context here as he speaks to what's going on. Again, he's writing to the church at Corinth. And the church of Corinth had everything you could have wrong, basically they had wrong. They had it up, upside down upon its head, had it turned around backwards, uh, were doing it for the wrong reasons, were doing it for the wrong motives, and so on. And Paul calls their attention to that, that they, they, were, they had the wrong attitudes, they had the wrong heart concerning these things, and in many cases had sin in their presence. And Paul, Paul is confronting that here in 1 Corinthians, and he spends a great deal of time uh, here throughout the whole book primarily just describing to them all the things that they've got wrong. And he says here in verse 1, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. He said he couldn't speak to them from a spiritual perspective, because they had not got out of their babyhood yet as Christians. They were, they were, still, they were still on the, the simplistic things. They were still on the elementary things. They should have grown spiritually beyond these things at this point, And they had not. And Paul says, I can't even speak to you concerning spiritual things. I can speak to you from a worldly perspective. I have to speak to you on carnal issues. And the reason he had to speak to them on carnal issues is because they had so many carnal issues among them. There were so many of the carnal things, the things of this world that were invading them, invading their service, invading their walk with the Lord, and even being carried over into the church itself there in Corinth and how they were, how they were dealing with these things. And so Paul tells them they were immature. He says, you all, you all are, are babes in Christ. He says in verse 2, he says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to hear it, neither yet now are ye able, he said. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men. And so Paul says, this is the reason I think you're carnal. Is because you are uh, there is among you the envying, strife, and divisions. They divided themselves among different classes, even within that church. There was envies for one another, and what one another had, and what power one another had. There was strife that were there because there were those that were fighting among them. And so he says, this is the reason you all are carnal. Is because you're being controlled by your flesh instead of by the Spirit of God. They were living for self instead of living for Christ. And it was evident in their lives here. And so Paul is addressing this, telling them they are immature. They are, they are looking at their work and their service for the Lord through worldly eyes. Verse 5, let me go on down and read, read the verse 4 there. It says, and While one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Paulus, are ye not carnal? 
That was part of their divisions. They were saying, well, you all follow Apollos, we follow Paul. Y'all, you all follow, and so they were dividing themselves as if Apollos was teaching a different doctrine than what Paul was teaching. They were teaching the same doctrine. But they were dividing among these leaders for themselves. And Paul tells them, they're just, y'all are carnal. Y'all are caught up in the things of this world. Your mind is set on what you can get for yourself. Your mind is set on your flesh instead of on your Lord. He said, and, and you prove, you show, he says, your immaturity. Your babes, he said, in Christ. Now verse 5, he goes on to say, who then is Paul? And who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. Paul said, it ain't, it ain't nothing to do with me and Apollos. We're just the ones that preach the word to you. That's all it was. I have planted, he says, Apollos watered, but God's the one gave the increase. God is the one who has given salvation. He is the one that's brought his grace. It's not Apollos, it's not Paul. They were just simply preaching the word that God had given them. So then, he says in verse 7, Neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth increase. So Paul said, it ain't none of me, it ain't none of Apollos, it is all of God. It's all of Him. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So Paul says, God has given me a ministry. He said, all we are is ministers. But God has given me a ministry that I've... I've, uh, Speaking of them, he says, uh, Apollos and Paul, he said, we're just laborers together. We're just just carrying out God's business together. There's not one of us greater than the other. And he says, ye are God's husbandry, or his vine is what that's in reference to. Ye are God's building, he says, according to the grace of God which is given unto me. As a wise master builder, he says, I have laid the foundation. Now Paul says, look, I've, I've, I've laid this foundation but it's, it's what God has given me to do. It's based on His design. It was based on, on, on Him as the architect. And, and I, am, I am building, I've laid this foundation among you. But it's God that is the one that gives the increase, you see. Paul said, I've just, I've just laid it out here to you. By God's grace, He uses His people. He uses His people to work with Him in the building. But all building that is done is by the power and grace of God. Paul says he laid the foundation there in Corinth particularly. And all the building done in that church is laid on that foundation that Paul established or Paul started with there among them. And he goes on to tell us there, verse number 11, what that foundation is. 
He says, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so what what was the church at Corinth established on? It was established on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the foundation of it all. He is he is the as Paul will go on to tell us here. He is that cornerstone that we are built upon. You see, he is that foundation, Christ Jesus our Lord. First Peter, in fact, chapter two. Go over and look look here. Peter speaks of Christ here being that that uh, foundation stone. First Peter chapter two, verse number six and verse number eight. 1 Peter 2, verse 6 through verse number 8. He says, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient... The stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. And so he says Jesus is the chief cornerstone, and for us, for us, it's, he's precious. For the children of God, He's precious. He's, he's of utmost importance. We realize that we are, we are built upon Him. That we are holding fast to Him. That we are laid upon Him. We must have Christ. We are built upon that foundation stone that is Christ Jesus. But those that are disobedient, those that are running from Him, those that are, are striving to have no part with Him, those that are rebelling against Him, those that are disobedient to His Word, they are stumbling over the Lord instead of being built upon Him. He, he becomes a rock of stumbling, the Scripture tells us. And so the disobedient are constantly stumbling over Christ, stumbling over Him instead of holding fast to Him, instead of being built upon Him, instead of clinging to Him, they are falling headlong over Him, you see, trying to just get around, trying to do their own thing, trying to follow after their way, to do what's pleasing for them, and in the process they find themselves constantly tripping over the reality of Christ Jesus They cannot get by that reality. They cannot deny that He is and that He is King of kings and Lord of lords. They can't get beyond that. And they find it constantly as they continually are tripping over the Lord. That foundation, Christ Jesus. Now, go back to our text there. Verse 12, Paul begins to describe our work of service. For the Lord. And that work of service is going to be tried, he says, by fire. To expose the motive of the world. When it gets put to the heat of the Lord, it's going to show what really is behind uh, our purpose, our motivation in that work. So he says in verse 12, 
Now, if any man build upon the foundation, he's laid that foundation, that foundation is Christ, and we are to build upon that foundation. And he says, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, whatever material we have, we're building. We're laying it on the foundation. And that's how we're to be, in a sense of our service to the Lord, we are to be building up. As we serve Him, as we follow Him, as we strive to be found faithful, we are to be building on our Lord Jesus. Be building on that foundation. And so, he says this, he gives this example of what kind of building material we may use. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. Now everybody would obviously like to have, I mean if you had a choice to pick what kind of house you would want, would you rather have the stubble house made out of the, the, the chunks and chaff? Would you rather have that stubble house or would you rather have the gold house? I mean, which would be prettier even? I mean, let alone the lasting value of it, but which would be prettier? The house made from grass clippings or the one made out of gold? And so we see a a hierarchy here of the building material that's set forth, of what's going to be used. And he says there in verse 13, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So the Lord's going to put it in the furnace. And what is left will be what is done for Him, truly done for His glory and for His honor, and that will be based upon, or what's left will what we, is what is our rewards, rather. I'm trying to say it all backwards. What our rewards will be based on, what is left of our works as after they are tried by His fire. Now this, this takes place at the judgment seat of Christ, when, the, when this is tested there. And so it will be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And he goes on to say, If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So if you've got anything left, after it's tried by fire by the Lord, if you've got anything left, that's going to be your reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. In other words, you ain't going to have much reward. If it's burned up, if it's burned up, you're not going to have much reward. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. In other words, this is not about our salvation. It's not, it's not about whether or not we have his grace. It's not about whether or not we belong to him. This only has to do with our reward. And so even though we may stand there before Him at the judgment seat of Christ and see everything that we lay before Him, every work that we've ever done brought there in His presence and He he throws it in the furnace to try it by the fire and it's all gone when He's done. If we don't have anything left of it, 
We still have His grace. We still have His sight. There's nothing that's going to take that from us, you see. And so we'll still be His children. We just won't have anything to show for it. There just won't be a reward for us to have, you see. J. Vernon McGee, in writing concerning this particular passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, I'm afraid there's going to be a whole lot of us standing there smelling like we just came through a fire sale. Because there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of our works that will be burned up. Because there's more of me in it than there is the glory of God. There's more of, of what I'm going to get out of it than a sacrifice for the Lord. And so if whatever is sowed up in me, whatever is sowed up in my flesh, of those sacrifices that I've laid before the Lord, those things will be burned up. They'll have no place. It will only be that which is truly done for Him, that which is for His glory, for His honor, those sacrifices for Him, that will Stand, that will remain. And so, he says, they'll be tried by fire, and that which remains, that which remains will be our reward. Now, we know um, that gold, wood, hay, and stubble, it's gone. We know that. It, it, it gets put in the furnace, you're going to have ash. That's all you're going to have. There will be nothing left of it. But even the gold and the silver and precious stones, in the trying of, of the fire among them, every flaw in those stones is going to be revealed by that fire. Every flaw that's there, every, every, every uh, uh, scratch in the grain, everything that, that is wrong in it, it's going to be revealed in that that, that refiner's fire. Gold, all that dross. And then a silver, all that dross is going to be melted out of it. And so even in those things that are gold, silver, and precious stones, we're even going to come up with a lot less of those than what we started with, you see. Because it, it will be refined. It will be refined to get down to truly what was holy, the Lord's. What was holy for His glory and for His honor. And not about us. And so even those, those good things, those good materials, they're going to be smaller than what they started out as. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Hold your place here. We'll be back to this passage. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says here, verse number 10 and verse number 11, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Knowing the terror of the Lord. We uh, can get so caught up on the grace and the love of God that we can forget 
His holiness. We can forget the terror of the Lord as Paul describes it. We can forget His wrath. We can forget His chastening. We do, we do not want, as the children of God, we do not want the hot displeasure of God on us. We do not want that on us. Paul is talking to the church at Corinth there in 1 Corinthians. As he's, as he's describing to them there in chapter number 11 even. When he's talking about them misusing or mishandling the Lord's Supper. And he said some of them were sick in the church because they were mishandling the Lord's Supper. Some of them, he said, had even died because they were not looking at it as what it is. It was not the remembrance of the Lord to them, but it was they, they turned it into a love feast. They turned it into, they turned it into a, a, a drunken celebration is what they did. And Paul said because they had done this, the Lord had chastened them. And said some of, some of them were sick because of it. And there was others that had already died from those sicknesses that they, that they had gotten because they were mishandling the, the they, they had taken it for granted and mishandled that, that ordinance of the Lord and made it about something that it wasn't at all. And so the Lord chastens His children. He does not let us go on in our sin. He does not let us go on in our rebellion against Him. He will chasten His children. And that chastening hurts when it comes. And if you've been saved very long at all, you know a little bit about that chastening of the Lord. You know what that heavy hand of the Lord feels like on you. As Paul tells us there in Hebrews chapter 12 concerning it, beginning in verse number 6 as he describes that chastening of the Lord on us, His children. His people, His children, He spanks us when we need it. And we need it a lot. He doesn't let us go on in our sin without drawing on us to come back to Him. He will not let us, He will not let His children continually run from Him. He get, he'll let you go a little ways. He'll give you a little rope, just enough for you to destroy yourself. He'll give you just enough for you to make a mess of your life. But He'll start drawing you back. And it's amazing how even as he draws, we as his children still fight against him. We still try to run. We still kind of try to keep going. And that's when that chastening comes on hard. And so Paul says, we know the terror of the Lord. And he said, listen, that's, that's the reason we tell you about these things. <laughs> we don't want you facing that. We want you to be obedient. We want you to be faithful to the Lord. We want you serving him. We want you to have gold, silver, and precious stones when He judges you. And not a pile of ash. Again, this is not a determination of salvation. This judgment seat or beam seat of Christ. But rather it is the place of our of the determination of our rewards. Verse 15, again in our text. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 15. Paul says, If any man's work shall be burned, 
He shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And then he says in verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Don't you know who you are? Don't you know that you're the, you're, you are the place that the Lord resides in this world? That He's in you? That it's, that it's not something, something outside that He has given us, but rather He's given us Himself and He dwells in us. Paul says, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. And that's, I think that's what Paul's talking about there in reference to, to those that were in chapter 13 there, is, uh, or I'm sorry, chapter 11 here in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about those that had died. That, the, the Lord took them out. He took them out. We see examples of it in Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. They lied. They lied to the church. And first Ananias, and then Sapphira, they both told the same lie, and it wasn't nothing they had to lie about. I mean, they, they, they had voluntarily sold a piece of property to give the price of money to the church so that they'd be able to feed the widows of the church. They did a good thing. They had a piece of property they didn't need. They sold it and they were giving it to the church because, hey, we want to help feed the widows of the church. But then, property prices jumped up. Whoo! Looky here. We got a bigger offer than what we even had it priced for. Well, we wouldn't expect him to get that much. So, what we'll tell the church is, we got this much, and we'll give it, and we'll keep the rest of it for sake. Now, they could have said, they could have come to the church and said, you know, we, we got this much for it, and we got a lot more, we, we, so we're giving it. They could, have not lied, they could have just not lied about it. And gave the portion that they were intending to give, the asking price that they had. They could have gave that portion and then kept the rest. And there probably wouldn't have been nothing wrong with that from that perspective. But instead when they came, the Spirit of God moved on Peter to ask. And Peter asked, and I said, is this all you got for the property? Yep, that's all we got. It's all we got. Immediately God struck him. He fell down dead. They carried his body out and buried him. And Sapphira, busy with the women folk outside, and she was talking over recipes or whatever about what they were going to eat that day, and she comes in. They've already carted her husband out and already got him in the ground, and she comes in and Peter says, Hey, uh, did you get such and such amount for the property? And she said, Oh yeah, that's what we got. She was struck dead. And they carried her out and buried her with her husband. How many times have we lied? 
Lord's been merciful to us. He's been so merciful to us. How many times should he have struck us dead? He's been so merciful. And Paul says, don't defile. You, he says, are the temple of God. Don't defile his temple. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. We try so hard. We try so hard to figure it out ourselves. We try so hard to use the wisdom of our own brains to get it all sorted out. And the reality is in us trying so hard to use our wisdom, looking at it from a worldly perspective, we miss the reality of it, which is a spiritual reality. We miss the spiritual reality of it. And this is what Solomon says throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. He was given all the wisdom of the world to rule the people of Israel. He was given all the money. He was given all the resources. He was given all the great things. But he was given that as king. And Solomon, with all of that wisdom, with all of that finance, with all of that, 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 all of that uh, wives that he had and the concubines on top of it, all that he was given, all that he was given. He said, I gave myself to follow my flesh, my wisdom, to do my thing. And he said, whatever I wanted, I gave myself. Whatever whatever I, I thought would be good for me, I indulged in it, he said. And he said, when I got to the end of it, when I, when I got, to, the, got to, to where I couldn't handle it in my life anymore, he said, I realized it was all vanity. Everything, everything this world offers you, everything that is not from God is absolute emptiness. And we try to fool ourselves that it's, that's what I want. That sounds good to me. I think that stuff might be great for me. I think that might be just what I'm needing. And we fool ourselves. We fool ourselves into believing that that's what we need. That's what we have to have. When you get to the end of it, it is only emptiness. Vanity. Vanity of vanity, he says. It's empty. We are the temple of God. Don't defile, he says, the temple of God. For the wisdom of this world, verse 19, is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. 
And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. That they're vain. That's that vanity. That's that empty there that he's talking about. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. We belong to Him. Don't defile His temple, don't follow your own wisdom. Follow Him. Don't follow after the things of the world. Follow Him. Follow Him. Serve Him. Listen, this event is coming up very soon. Because I believe, I believe that our Lord is coming very soon. It's coming up very soon. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready for Him to judge your works? Serve Him. Serve Him. Every day, serve Him. Every day, be faithful. Every day, live your life for Christ. Paul describes, or I'm sorry, John describes, and I, I won't get into it here, but uh, too much, but he describes there in Revelation 4 that scene around the throne of God at this event. And he speaks particularly of the 24 elders that were seated around the throne and them receiving their rewards and there's crowns given to them. Paul tells us, I think, four different crowns that we receive as the children of God in the Scriptures. But he tells us here about those, those 24 elders receiving their crowns that Christ gives them as reward for their service at the judgment seat of Christ. And it says that they cast those crowns back at His feet. Not that they thought those rewards were unworthy to them, but rather that they were unworthy to receive them. And they are giving them back to the Lord. I don't deserve this, Lord. I didn't do this, Lord. You gave me the strength, Lord, to do it. You, you're the one that worked this in me, just like Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10 tells us. You're the one that's worked these things. Lord, I was just a vessel. You're the one that accomplished this. You're the one that worked this. You're the one that did this. You're the one that accomplished these things. And the voice there in the Greek uh, tense there that's given, that, that literally they are casting those crowns before Him and He puts them back on their head and they're casting them before Him and He's put, no, they're yours. I'm giving them to you. But we're not worthy, Lord. I said they're yours. I'm giving them to you. But it's not us, Lord. It's you. You're the one that's done this. All glory to you. Yes, but it's your Lord. And He's continually putting them back upon their heads. That's the judgment seat of Christ. In which He rewards His people. And their service for Him. Serving. Be faithful to Him. Don't trust your own wisdom. Don't trust your own heart. Trust the Lord. And follow Him. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed.